This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. When you came in and sat at your seat this morning, there was a couple of cards on your seat. So if you could just take those out for a few seconds, I want to let you know what we have given to you and for you. Get some house lights, guys, a little bit. Um, we have a couple different cards there. The first card, as the, the, the black card, as we've been mentioning about our Love is Red conference that is coming up at the end of September. Uh, this is a great conference for youth and young adults. Um, and we are preparing, we are organizing, we are planning uh, all the different ways that you can prepare uh, for this event. You know, so far we have about five other churches that have registered kids and, and we know other churches are going to be coming. And so it's just going to be a great opportunity for us as a church family to impact the next generation in this region, uh, which is an amazing blessing and it's, it's an exciting opportunity. So all the other ways that we're planning and preparing, we also want to prepare spiritually. Um, so this is just a card for you um, over the next um, six or seven weeks until the conference happens. Um, just points of prayer um, that you can put this card wherever you pray, whether it's beside your bed, wherever your prayer spot is. Um, and just take a few seconds every day to be praying for the students and the leaders and the speakers and everybody who's going to partake of and be a part of Love is Red. And just so that we can prepare in every way possible because we want God to impact the lives of the next generation, don't we? And this conference is a big part of that. Once again, it's not just the kids at our church. A bunch of other kids uh, in this region are coming, so it's just a way for us to bless students and uh, young adults in this region. So that card is for that purpose. And then I have another card for you um, that is specific to this series. So on the front is the logo of the series, and on the back is just some spots for you to write some things that you need to pray for. As we've mentioned, uh, as we mentioned last week as we started this series, um, just different things. The, the whole idea of the series is that we can respond to a lot of different things in life a lot of different ways, but we should be praying for those things instead of doing a lot of different things that the culture would offer to us. So this is your personal card, and the idea would be um, that you bring this card back with you for the next three weeks as we're ministering on this topic. And the things specific to you in your life that you realize you need to be praying about or need to be praying about more or something that you had forgotten about completely or something that we would see in the word of God or something that just comes up in this series uh, specific to your life, write it in there and make it a point of prayer as opposed to a point of worry or sadness or something else. Um, so this card is yours. So make sure you bring this back the next three weeks as we continue this series um, so you, you can write those things specific to your life and then have those as things that you would be praying for. All right, so let's turn our Bibles this morning to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So the idea of this series, as I've already mentioned a little bit and as we started talking about last week, you know, as we live in this world today, this is even just on simple days. Uh, life can be stressful. And then if you have a job, life can be stressful. And then if you have children, life can be stressful. And if you have a spouse, life can be stressful. And then if you live uh, in this country, life can be stressful. And then when we live in North America, there's crazy things going on in North America. Life can be stressful. And so many different things happening in and around us. How should we be responding to these things? And like I mentioned last week, there's lots of ways 
uh, for the culture uh, that gives to us for ways to respond to things and cope with things and deal with things. You know, that we, um, when we go through life, we can just eat a lot. Uh, if we're worried or if we're afraid or if we're dealing with emotional stuff, that we can just go to the grocery store and find our, our favorite uh, sweet food that probably isn't that great for us and then we could eat or we can just go on our phones for hours at a time or we can medicate legally and illegally uh, as it were we could just go through life just medicating ourselves we can worry we can be sad we can despair we can just think that life is hopeless we can think that things are never going to change and then ultimately the worst place to be is a place where we're just giving up We don't want to do any of those things. We don't want to live life as these are our options. These are our only options in life. And in 2017, this is all that we can do to deal with all of the stuff that's going on in my life and all the stuff that's going on in the world. That instead of all those things, we should be praying. That we have this wonderful privilege and option and vitality of our relationship with God that we can actually talk to God. God who loves me and cares about me, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that his ears are open to my prayers. The scripture talks about that for the righteous, God hears what we say. You know, sometimes we we might want to talk to a famous person and we might want to talk to somebody really important, but really we can talk to the most important person. We can talk to the most powerful person. We can talk to the one, once again, who loves us the most. The one who's interested in my life more than anyone else. That we have this wonderful privilege to talk to God. And when we think about prayer and we talk about prayer, depending on your background, you know, it can look like a lot of different things. It can just look like mantras that you repeat over and over again, sort of mindlessly. And you don't actually have to think about it. You just say the same thing over and over again. Or you can do extremes in prayer, you know, big overt things and And both of those things that we see Jesus would speak against, both of those things, he would say, you know, we're not going to heap up empty words. And then Jesus said a lot of times, you know, when you're praying, you you don't need to do it in public. You're not trying to make a show of your relationship with God. Go in and close the door and do it places where no one will see you. And then God will reward you openly. So prayer is not a show. Prayer is not heaping up empty words. Prayer is a wonderful opportunity to talk to the one that we love the most. And this is what we think about prayer. This is how we should think about prayer. It's not, it's not a duty. It's not a struggle. It's something that we can enjoy. It's something that we can think about as such a wonderful thing, as such a wonderful opportunity for me to talk to God. And it's not some big religious heavy. It's a blessing for us to be able to talk to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Colossians 4, verse 2, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So these verses here are saying that we should be praying without ceasing. We should pray at all times and we should continue steadfastly in prayer. Now when we think about this, does this mean that I can't do anything else because I'm praying? I can't live my life, I I can't go to work because i got to pray. No, this this idea is that we would constantly be in an attitude of prayer. I heard one minister say, I never pray more than 15 minutes at a time, but then I also don't go 15 minutes without praying. It's just something that we can always be doing. And once again, it's not something that we... And a lot of times you can pray, people don't even have to know you're praying. 
It's something that you can do quietly. It's something you can do, uh, you can do privately. And once again, it's not, it's not a show. It's not a show for other people. So in any situation of life, we can just be breathing prayers to God. And we can be talking to God about every situation of life. And then last week we talked about where our focus was. This idea is that prayer starts with God. Prayer doesn't start with my needs, but prayer starts with God and his power realizing who he is. Jesus said, when we pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, we start with God. We don't start with me. We start with worshiping God and remembering who God is and remembering about God's power. And that all-powerful prayer starts with understanding what, what is the will of God for my life. So we're lining up our prayers with the will of God, not just what I would want. Starting with God, that all effective prayer, like we said last week, starts with God. So we're going to talk about today something that we can all pray for. Something that we all need and something that we can all, um, all of us would say as we look at these verses today, we all need this in our life. Uh, before we get there, let me just read you one more verse uh, in Isaiah 61, verse 10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. So once again, prayer is not a drudgery. It's not a difficulty. We should be delighting in God, that we have this opportunity to talk to God. And as I said last week, if you don't enjoy praying, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Uh, it's, it's, we need to change our attitude. We need to change our thinking about it, that it would be something that we can enjoy, this wonderful opportunity to talk to God. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to see here a prayer in the scriptures, and if you came to the worship and prayer nights uh, in the early part of this year, you heard me talk about these verses for sure. Um, and this is something that I learned in Bible school. Uh, at the Bible school I went to every day, they would have something called prayer school. And almost every day I went to prayer school, the, the instructor of that day would turn to these verses um, and some other verses in the New Testament that there are recorded prayers in the New Testament. So it's not uh, sometimes we think, well, what am I going to pray for? I don't actually know what I should pray for. Pastor Brent, you said I can't start with my needs. And so what should I be starting with? Well, as we mentioned last week, that um, as we saw some of the prayers in the scripture, that um, they actually quoted scriptures in the middle of their prayers. So obviously starting with the word of God is a great place to start as it relates to knowing the will of God before we pray. So we can see the Apostle Paul in these verses we're about to read that he is praying for the church at Ephesus. He's praying for this congregation, and we can see specifically some of the things that he prayed for them, and these are the same things that we can pray for ourselves. So we can take these pray, prayers, pray them for ourselves, pray them for our family members, pray them for our loved ones every day. It's something that we can pray and we can do it with joy. So let's just read it and we can see um, some of the words of prayer, but then not just the words. So it's not, we're not just looking for a mantra. We're looking, what is the spirit of prayer? What is this attitude that I should have of prayer? What are the things that I should be praying for? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, it says, For this reason I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you... In my prayer. So this is what Paul says that he is praying for this church at Ephesus. Now before we start, when you think about a church, we think about a group of people. That's what a church is. It's a gathering. What do people who are in a gathering, what are they going through? They're going through stuff. 
They're going through physical stuff and financial stuff. They're going through relational stuff. They're going through job stuff. All these areas, school stuff, all the stuff of life is what all of us are going through. And it's common to all of us. At different stages of life, we can say, oh, yeah, I remember I went through that 10 years ago. And I remember this. And I, oh, remember we went through this. And remember this relationship thing. And remember this job thing. And we all go through the same stuff. And we can see what Paul prayed for this group that would be going through the same stuff that we go through today. And let's see what he says. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? Who believe according to the working of his great might (coughs) that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So here is a prayer that Paul prayed for the, the church at Ephesus, people who are going through physical issues and financial issues and relational issues. And we can see that Paul didn't just say, God, heal them. Or God, get them out of debt. Or God, do this. Or God, fix their marriages. All which are good things and all things that we need in our lives. But what is it that Paul prayed for the church? Let's go back and read it a little bit slower. Verse 17, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what does this mean? That we would know God more. That we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, understand who God is. That we would know that we have a Father God. That this would be revealed to us, that we would understand who our Father is. So that we could go to him and receive from him. And the things that God has already given to us, we could say yes to those things. You know, for those of you that have children and they're, you know, beyond high chair um, times. You know, when you're feeding your children in a high chair, there's, there's monumental moments. Like they're in a high chair and then one day they can actually pick up a Cheerio and eat it themselves. And you're just like, praise God. And then one day they can pick up a spoon and feed themselves, and you're like, yes. And then one day, they're out of the high chair, and they're able to sit at the table with you, and it's still a mess, but you're glad you don't have to do the high chair because that thing is disgusting. So much food and the cracks and the crevices. And then one glorious day, your children can actually cook for themselves, people. I know some of you can't even imagine it right now, but it's coming. It might take a little while, but it is a beautiful day. It just brings tears to my eyes, people, that they can cook for themselves. But if my two teenage daughters were sitting in the middle of our kitchen with a fridge full of food and a cupboard full of food, and they said, my parents never give us anything to eat, what would you say to them? Open the fridge, children. Open the cupboards, children. This is what we say to them. (laughs) Figure it out. Use the hands that God has given you to open things. Why? Because their parents have provided for them. 
It's the same way with God. This is what Paul is praying for the church. That it would be revealed to you who God is. And that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would be able to see. Wisdom is about seeing. That we would be able to see who God is, what he has provided for us in Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That we have new life in Christ. Paul is praying for this church that they would have this revelation. That they would have understanding of who God is. Let's continue. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. In other words, that they would be able to see something and understand something. The eyes of our heart enlightened. And we think about our physical eyes. We know when it's dark, we can't see. But when the lights are on, we can see. We can see what's in the room. And it's the same way here in these prayers. That the eyes of our heart, that we would actually be able to see something about who God is. We would see something about the provision of God in our lives. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. That you would know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now listen, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What kind of inheritance inheritance is it? It's a glorious one. You have, as a son and daughter of God... A glorious inheritance, Paul is saying. Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, I am praying that you would understand the glorious inheritance that you have in God, that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And he's revealing to you, he's helping you understand who God is, and not only who God is, but what inheritance that you have in God. What has God already provided for you in Christ? Paul is praying for the church that they would see this and that they would know this and they would understand this because when you see that and you know that and you understand that that is the time then we can go to god and ask god for ourselves if we've got marital issues if we have financial issues if we have physical issues we know that there's an inheritance in god That this would be revealed to me. That I would understand who God is more and more. And this is why we pray these things all of the time. This is why we don't pray it as a one-time thing. Now, we don't pray it over and over again to heap up words. We pray it over and over again so that we can understand more of God. We understand a measure of who God is and know God. But those of you that have been saved for a long period of time, you can testify that this is true. That, you know, five years later into your relationship with God, you know, you started out somewhere with God and you understood something about God. But then five years later, you understood more. Is that true? And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, that. I finally understand that. And then 15 years more goes by. And then you, oh, I see that. I understand that about God. That's the way revelation is, or understanding of who God is. It is progressive, just like your children. They don't, you know, teach them calculus in JK. They start with the basics. It's the same way with our relationship with God. God reveals himself to us, and then we grow in our understanding of who God is. And so this is why we continue to pray these prayers. Not as a mantra, not as to stack up the words so that I can understand better. And then I can know better. And I can have revelation in my life. I can know who God is and I can understand what inheritance has been given to me. So I can live life. God wants us to understand who he is. Not so we can have more religion. 
so that we can understand life. God is the giver of life. He is the creator of life. He wants to be your life coach. He wants to help you get better at life. He wants to help you get better at being a husband and a wife and an employee and an employer. He wants you to have revelation. And the more we know who God is, the more we realize what our inheritance is. We take that wisdom and we apply it to our lives. Life gets better. Doesn't it? When you have more wisdom, life gets better. I was somewhere a little while ago, and there was like a bunch of teenage boys somewhere, and they were just doing stupid stuff. Anyone seen a bunch of teenage boys doing stupid stuff? Anyone was a teenage boy at one time doing stupid stuff? (laughs) Dangerous stuff. When I look back at some of the things that I did when I was younger, it's like, thank God for angels, because I was doing really stupid, dangerous stuff. And why? Why would we do that? Just complete lack of wisdom. Put yourself in completely dangerous spots where your life is in jeopardy because you're having fun. But it's stupid. Why? No wisdom. If we have the knowledge that this is dangerous, but then we're not applying this knowledge. And this is what growing up is all about. Is taking the knowledge that we have and then applying it to our lives. And this is what wisdom is all about. Let me give you some definitions for wisdom. Wisdom is light for life. Understanding about life. Wisdom is both knowledge and the ability to direct the mind toward a full understanding of human life. So it's knowledge and then the ability to use that knowledge. Knowledge and the ability to use that knowledge. Now, if we think about it, just think about it in these small terms. Are French fries or broccoli better for us? (laughs) It's not a a tough one. Which is better, French fries or broccoli? How many of us have eaten more French fries in our life than broccoli? Come on, let's admit it. We're in church now. Because there's a lot more fries in the box, right? And if, I mean, if broccoli was smaller, I may be close. No, we've eaten. And what is it? We know we have this knowledge that broccoli is better for us. What are we not doing? Applying the knowledge. All wisdom is like this. That we would take the knowledge that we have and then wisdom applies it properly. Wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. I'm going to say that again. Wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true, what is ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. That we know. We know certain things, then we want to apply certain things. But then there are those things in life that we're just actually not sure what to do. So what do we do in these situations? And this is where I would say that this is something that all of us need. All of us need is what? We need God's wisdom. The highest thing, now listen, the highest thing that we can get from God is his wisdom. God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. 
God knows the knowledge necessary for us. And then he knows how to apply that knowledge in all of the situations of life. So what do we need from God for our marriages? What do we need to make our marriages better? Well, if she would just change, no. If he would just pick up his socks off of the floor, our marriage would be so much better. Well, that's a good start, picking up our socks, as my wife would tell me. But in all of the situations in life, what do we need? We need God's thoughts on the situation. We need the mind and heart of God for what I'm going through right now. The decision that I have to make right now, and this affects every area of life, what do I need from God? I need his wisdom. Listen to what Proverbs says about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, personifying wisdom, talking about. And nothing you desire can compare with her. A long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways, her ways are of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. You like those two words? Pleasantness and peace. Could you use a little more of those two things in your life? Pleasantness and peace. So how do we experience those two things? Well, the scripture is telling us we need more wisdom. So we want the heart and mind of God for our lives. And then where are we going to be walking? We're going to be walking in pleasantness and peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. And those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these things. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. They will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do you see some blessings listed in there associated with wisdom? See, we want the blessings, right? Do you want to be blessed? Silly question. The answer is yes. And and specifically, the blessings from God. The scripture says that God blesses us and he doesn't add any sorrow with it. So we want the blessings of God. God is a God of blessing. God is a God of generosity. He is giving to you. Well, what is the path to experiencing those blessings? What is everything we just read there? They all spring from wisdom. We all need wisdom. We need knowledge and the ability to apply that knowledge in the right situation, in the right way, so that we can experience the blessing of God. Now, in the scripture, there's somebody very famous for being wise, Solomon. So we see two things about Solomon in the scripture, two things that he was famous for. He was famous for being wise, famous for being very wealthy. At the end of his life, he kind of got messed up. He had close to a thousand wives. How many know that's not a good idea? So he was wise at one point, and then he kind of lost it a little bit. Could you imagine the hair products? 
for a thousand wives. Anyway, something to think about. So before all of that, wisdom he, uh, and Solomon were synonymous. So let's look a little bit um, at Solomon and what the scripture says as it relates to him and wisdom. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings at the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. So here, Solomon is there, and he's honoring God. And in the middle of this dream, God shows up. He has this dream about God, and God says to Solomon... I basically saying, ask for something. I want to give you something. And what would we ask for? Are you ready for this question? What are we going to ask for? If, we have, if God shows up in the middle of our dream, what are we asking for? Be honest with yourself right now. You don't have to say it out loud. But what are you asking for? I'm asking for this situation, and I'm this, and I want this thing, and I want that. Let's see how Solomon answers. So Solomon had taken over from his father, David, who was the, the king of Israel. We don't know exactly how old he was, approximately 20 years old. Verse 6, and Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of a heart toward you. And you have kept him this great and steadfast love and had given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Verse 9. So this is what he's going to ask for. Give your servant, therefore, understanding to govern your people. That I might discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? So what did he ask for? Under An understanding mind. He's asking for wisdom. And in a sense, he's asking something for himself, but indirectly, he's actually asking how to be a good leader. The things that I'm responsible for, God, give me an understanding mind how to, to be a good leader, how to be a good king to the people that you put me in charge. He's asking for this, that I would have an understanding mind. Verse 10, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. What did it do? It pleased the Lord. Do you want to please the Lord today? So here's a way for us to please the Lord that we can ask for this same thing. We should ask for the same thing that Solomon asked for. What was it? A, a discerning mind. That I would have understanding, that I would have wisdom to apply the knowledge that I have. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or, or the life of your enemies, but have asked yourself understanding to discern what is right 
This is what he asked for. Verse 12, Behold now, according to your word, behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like before you and none shall arise after you. I give you also, not what you have asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And this is what Solomon is famous for. He's Solomon. He's famous for wisdom. And then he's, sol- he's, he's famous for being very wealthy. But he didn't ask for wealth. He asked for wisdom. And then what did God give him? Both. He said, you didn't even actually ask for this, but because you're going to have wisdom and you're going to have a discerning mind, I'm actually going to give you my blessings. Because if you have a a wise and discerning mind, God can trust you with his blessings. Why? Because then you won't be a selfish person. You'll be a generous person. And how did God know this about Solomon? Because he's already asking, help me be a better leader for the people you've asked me to follow. And then God can trust him with the blessings. God wants to trust you with blessings. Did you know that? God wants to trust you with blessings. But what's the road there? Well, the road there is wisdom. See, sometimes we get the cart before the horse. I just want the blessings, God. God, just give me the blessings. Just give me the things. Give me the stuff. And God is saying, hey, if you just ask for wisdom, then I can trust you with the blessings. If you have a wise and discerning mind, God can give you blessings because then you will use them well and you will use them appropriately. So let's see now how Solomon applied this wisdom that he asked God for. Soon after that, verse 16 of uh, 1 Kings 3, it says this, Two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O Lord, this woman that I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child and she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. Terrible story. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while the servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. These two women were in the same house. They both had a child. And the one woman, her baby died. And so what did she do? She switched the babies. She took her baby that had died and gave this baby to this other lady and then took the live baby for herself. So this woman is coming and talking to Solomon about this. Verse 22. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine. And the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. So what do we do? How do we figure this out? There's no webcams. You know, there's no footage to look at. There's no, nobody with a phone there recording the situation. So how do we, is her word against mine. And they're bringing this to Solomon. What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? Then the king said, the one said, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Did you hear what Solomon's solution was? It's not really 
a good solution, is it? And he, is he actually really intending to chop up this child? So he's talking to these two women because how is he going to actually discern whose child is whose? Verse 26. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O Lord, give the living child by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. Then the king answered and said, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is the mother. And all of Israel heard the judgment of the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So in other words, what what happened in the story is that the real mother obviously didn't want her child to be cut in two. And Solomon never actually intended to cut the child in two. But what happened was the true and honest mother showed up and said, no, no, give the child away. I would rather my own child live than have my child die. Wouldn't that be true, mothers? And so what is the solution to the things that we need decisions for? Get me a sword. Is that the solution for all things? No, this is, this is not a legalism now. It's not not looking for something to apply in every situation. But in every situation, we need the wisdom of God. So here's this and here's this. So what do we do? And then here's this. And then here's this. What do we do? And then here's this other situation. This other circumstance. What do we do now? And then I'm going through this. What am I supposed to do? Finish with this, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For those who doubt is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. So what do we want to do? We want to ask God. And how do we want to ask him? In faith, trusting that God will actually give me wisdom. That God will give me a discerning mind, a discerning heart. That I will have knowledge and that I will also have the ability to apply that knowledge appropriately in every given circumstance and this is why every day every day every day every day we should ask for the wisdom of god it's the greatest thing it's the greatest thing that we can have for our lives in every situation in every circumstance because what did we read before this that the blessings of god come with the wisdom of god God wants to trust you with more of his blessings. Blessings in every area. So what do we need to experience more of God's blessing? We need more wisdom. So what should we do? We should ask God who gives generously. Ask God who gives generously every morning when we get up. 
just like Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus that they would have wisdom and revelation that I would have knowledge yes thank God for knowledge but then I would use the knowledge in a God honoring way that God that I remember that God is with me in all of these situations and all of these circumstances he's with me by his spirit and then what, what can I do I can ask for his wisdom and then he's giving it to me generously so what is my expectation then and this is part of praying in faith my expectation is I'm going to make the right choices and this would be something that I'd say because I'm expecting and I'm praying and asking in faith and God says that he's going to give to me wisdom generously so what am I going to do I'm going to expect to, right, to make the right decisions I don't get them and say, oh, I don't, know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not sure what to do. And I don't know what. No, I'm going to say, no, God's going to give me wisdom. I always say, I, I, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do yet. You'll never get me to say, I just don't know what to do. No, I'm trusting God for wisdom. And if I don't know in the moment, that just means I don't know yet because God's giving me wisdom. What am I doing? I'm lining up myself with the word of God, with the will of God. Prayer starts with God. God wants to give me wisdom. My expectation for my life is that I will have wisdom. Not just any old wisdom, God's wisdom. The heart and mind of God. For my marriage, for my parenting, for my finances, for my health, for my job, for my career, for my schooling. God gives generously let's just pray this morning father god we are so thankful for your wisdom today god and we pray like paul and we pray like solomon god give us discerning minds and hearts that you are leading us and guiding us that we are inquiring of you today for the things that we have to choose for the roads that you want us to take for the situations that we are in the middle of, God, that you give us your wisdom. And we say thank you. We say thank you for your wisdom. We know, Lord, that you give your wisdom to us generously. So it is our expectation, Lord, that we would have the mind of Christ in situations and circumstances and in times of choice that you are with us. Lord, we covet your wisdom. We desire your wisdom. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca. Thank you.